You may have heard it said, it's not your ability that God's after, but your availability. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. This man and woman was committed to the things of the Lord, and God used them. Why? Well, because God uses those that are available to him, those that make themselves available to him. And all it takes is one or two submitted to him. And, and what we found over the years is that it's one, two, four, eight, sixteen. That's how the body of Christ works. And yet, if there's 500 servants or 10,000 servants, it's still just one at a time. It's what does God want to do in your life? This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We're delighted to spend the next half hour with you and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed is going through 2 Kings at the present time. We'll turn to chapter 12 on this Friday. What sort of person does God use? Well, we're about to find out. And it extends way beyond the pastor of your church. He has a plan and purpose for you too. 2 Kings chapter 11 and Acts chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 11 and Acts chapter 6 in a Bible study that I've entitled, God Uses the Usable. God Uses the Usable. In our study last time in 2 Kings 11, we met young King Joash, or some translations have it translated Jehoahash, uh, and he was protected as a baby and then presented as king at seven years old. Now, of course, as a king at seven years old, he would have handlers that would be there for him. But because of his bloodline, he is the king. And one of the things we learn as we turn our attention back to this young king is that God is working behind the scenes, arranging things for his purposes. That as he's working behind the scenes to accomplish his will upon the throne of Judah, we don't always see the hand of God. Like right now, what you're facing and what's going on in your life, God is at work. He hasn't stopped working. He isn't idle in your life, even though you don't see his hand or you don't see how the pieces are going to come together or you're not quite sure how it's all going to work. God is at work. And it's always right and good to wait on the Lord because in the frustration of not seeing specifically what God is doing, we become impatient and there are enough people in this room today or enough people surrounding our lives that have made great errors in their impatience that could give you the testimony of wait on the Lord. It's not just the biblical mandate, although it is, but also in a practical way, it's important to wait on the Lord because impatience will cause you to make a lot of bad decisions, especially when you're frustrated. And it was in the lives here in 2 Kings 11, in the lives of a married couple, Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat, that God chose to move. Just one couple. It wasn't an army of people. It was just one couple. Notice with me again in verse 1 of chapter 11. 
When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. And he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. And it was in the seventh year that Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Six years pass, and it seems like nothing is happening. And yet in this husband and wife, God is preparing them for this moment. This man and woman, woman was committed to the things of the Lord, and God used them. Why? Well, because God uses those that are available to him. Those that make themselves available to him. And all it takes is one or two submitted to him. And, and what we found over the years is that it's one, two, four, eight, sixteen. That's how the body of Christ works. And yet, if there's 500 servants or 10,000 servants, it's still just one at a time. It's what does God want to do in your life? Remember, jot it down in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, I also heard the word of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, don't send me. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> Isaiah cries out, Here I am, send me. Now those of you that have been here for a while, you know by now that the vision, the direction of our church, the reason why God created Calvary Chapel Aurora some 19 years ago is really just one word. It's evangelism. It's connecting people with people with the sake of the gospel in order to see lives change. Because when lives change, families change. And when families change, kids change. And when kids change, neighborhoods change. And when neighborhoods change, cities change. And on and on it goes. God is still at work today. And in our heart to share the gospel in all avenues of our lives, it comes with our responsibility to win a person to Jesus Christ, disciple them in Jesus, and to send them out. And you're a part of a church that is constantly sending people out. Sometimes it's a very formal thing where you'll even see, as we saw recently on the, on the stage this weekend, where we're sending out someone to New Mexico. Uh, we're formally sending them out. Other times it's a job move. Other times it's the military. Other times it's a stirring. Other times, even on occasion, it's somebody leaves and gets sent out and it's actually not a real good thing at all. Uh, it's one of those things like Paul and Barnabas. Remember when they had to separate? You wish it didn't happen, but it does. And yet, even when Paul and Barnabas separate, now you have two men in two different directions with the gospel so that even in disagreements, God still gets the glory, even in man's weaknesses. And so whether it's something really formal and we're excited about it, whether it's something really informal, whether it's good, whether it's bad, God is always moving upon us to send and to move. And it doesn't always mean sending means you leave the church because in just a few minutes when our Bible study is done and we close in prayer and we have our final song of worship to be deposited in our hearts for the rest of the week, everyone's going to be sent out of this building. 
You're going to go into the market. You're going to go get something to eat. You're going to go home. You're going to head into work in the morning. Some of you are going to head into work tonight. Being sent with the gospel. The church isn't just within the four walls of a building. And there were times in, our, in our, the life of our church where we could literally say that our church wasn't a building because we didn't have a building to, to meet in. We rented other people's buildings. And then over time, God gave us our more permanent place. But we always have to be reminded the permanent place is not the church. It's just a building. One day when we vacate this building and we move on to something else, someone else is going to move into this building. It could be a medical offices. It could be, you know, they could tear it down and put a strip mall here. It's just a building. But while we're here and while God owns this building, this property is dedicated to the use of God. This corner in Aurora is a dedicated piece of dirt unto the Lord. But the dirt comes alive when those that were, came from the dust shows up filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything comes alive when you show up. When you and I, the church, come, we also are sent constantly. It constantly happens. You can actually look at yourself and think of your own life as constantly being sent with the gospel. It, it cannot be, church, that we give God our leftovers, that we give him what's left after everything else, where we, we have everything flipped upside down, where we're after whatever it is we're into, and we're, we give this our best energy, and we give this our best thought, and then, you know, whatever is left over, I think I'll offer that to God. But rather, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will fall into place. But if you chase after all these other things that he says, and he describes it as the Gentiles do, which is really just saying, look at the world and what they're into. They're not into the things of God. But if they chose to be into the things of God, then they could actually enjoy this world even more than they think they do right now. It has to be God first. Our lives need to be available to him today, right now. Just like this couple where they were ready, even though they didn't know the significance, I believe, of all that God was going to do through this young king, they were ready one step at a time. So that brings us to Acts chapter 6 with that couple in mind to encourage you to make yourself available to God, to make yourself available for the service of God. You can begin by doing that within the life of your own church family. You can look at yourself as a servant of God in your home. As a boss, as a business owner, as an employee, as you're delivering things during the week, you know, sometimes you might even come to this place where you think you're insignificant to the plan of God, where God uses other people. And you might even make this, this comparison within the church, and you see a pastor, you go, well, you know, I'm not like you, pastor, but, but in many ways, you're probably better than that pastor. In many ways, you're probably more gifted in other areas than that pastor. And the Bible says that we make a foolish mistake, and I'm paraphrasing, when we compare ourselves with other people. Because we are who we are by the will of God. And we're not to be comparing, well, you know, I wish I was so-and-so. Okay, so as you're, as you're thinking that, I, wanna, I wish I was so-and-so, let me just uh, give you the bad news or the good news. You'll never be so-and-so. So it's a waste of time. There are principles that you can pick up in someone's life where they might be a good example or you might be a good example to others, but only you, you've got to learn to pick up the principles because you will utterly fail if you try to copy someone. There is no true copy of anyone. Even to the point where, you know, there was that time, I think it was a great, 
uh, effort, you know, when they were selling those wristbands and what would Jesus, WWJ, what would Jesus do? And it was like, like an emphasis to copy Jesus, but you don't need to copy Jesus. All you need to do is yield to the Holy Spirit and Jesus will literally live his life through you. As you just, he will lead you and guide you and encourage you. And you'll just be so frustrated if you try to copy him. You'll be so frustrated if you try to do in your own strength what only God can do through you. And you are significant to the plan of God. You're significant to the plan of God in this church, in this community. Now, in Acts chapter 6, the church is growing. Notice with me in verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples, what does your Bible say? Multiplying. This was rapid growth multiplying. And there are always those, time, always those times among the church where God is adding, where God is subtracting, but then there's those dynamic times when God multiplies, when it's rapid growth. Rapid growth both in number and in need. Remember that. Whenever there's growth in number, there will always be growth in need. They go together. Whenever there's growth in numbers, there will also be a growth in difficulties, in discipleship opportunities. I mean, we could call them difficulties, but in reality, they're just discipleship opportunities, helping someone grow in the things of God, helping them begin to see life from the perspective of God. That's really what discipleship is, teaching the Bible and what it means to live out the life of Jesus within us. And so here they are multiplying and notice, with the multiplying, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may, we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And notice verse 7. And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So with multiplication comes murmuring, comes difficulties, and comes opportunity. It all depends on how you look at it. An opportunity to step up to the challenge of God, to serve the people of God, especially when there is neglect among the people of God. Because that's, you know, when, when larger groups start to gather, for sure there will be neglect, whether it's, on, whether it's by accident or, you know, somebody's just in the flesh and they're not paying attention and they're not serving properly. Um, you know how things go in your life. You're, sometimes you get so caught up in yourself, you're not caring about anyone else. And when you're so caught up in yourself, not caring about anyone else, you're going to neglect people that God had in store for you in that moment and why you're even here. And why you would even gather with other people. So you might encourage them and build them up. And so in the neglect, the leaders decide to do the right thing. And they did two things. Number one, they stuck to what they were called to do. They stuck to what they were called to do. They were focused, the 12, which is a reference to the apostles. Their responsibility was to pray 
and study the Word of God for the teaching of the Word of God. That, that was where their two main focuses, to pray and study the Word, preparation for their role in discipleship, which, which was teaching. Their role was teaching and leading. And so they made a wise decision because I've met many, many pastors. I've even fallen into that trap myself where pastors see the needs and they want to meet all the needs. And for a while they can do that, but not very long because the needs always outweigh what one man can do. <laughs> he can't pray, study the word of God, uh, help with the distribution, run over and fix this and run over and fix that. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand that in the disciple or in the apostle's decision here that their decision was no longer to serve or to find an easier place for them. It was simply, this is what we are called to do, and we cannot be diverted from it, because if we are diverted from it, then the whole ministry will suffer. All the people will suffer because of their role. It would be very similar to you in your home, you know, that, that your children only have one mom. And if you are distracted from being the one mom that God has called you to be, then your whole family is going to suffer. Or dads, same thing. Or husbands, wives, same thing. In your role as a single, if, you're if you are distracted from that time in singleness where you can devote yourself completely to the things of the Lord, and you're distracted from it, you're distracted from the calling of God in your life right now, then, then you too, all those around you will suffer because you want to be focused on what God's called you to do. So that's the first thing. The second one was the needs can be met by the people the people within the body. And I believe that every single need here at Calvary Aurora can be met by the people that are already at Calvary Aurora. Or God will bring them soon enough. <laughs> that God is raising up. This is one of those places where you see God raising up from within. That they didn't put an ad out on Craigslist. We have this need and we need some logistical, perf perfect logistical engineers to take care of this. But instead, they asked among the church. And so if you're taking notes, I'm gonna walk you through a list of things that they're looking for that are very accessible to you and to me. A few ingredients of the men and women that God used. Number one, God uses men and women that are saved, or you could say born again. God uses men and women in the church that are born again. Until a person is saved, the work of God is not through them, but to them. Do you get this? God is not going to be using someone in his church that isn't saved. That's why it frustrates me to no end. Now, even though it's not my responsibility, but the new trend as of late in the last five, six years, maybe even longer, but I picked up on it, the new trend in churches is to have unbelievers fill spots throughout the church. The most prominent place that unbelievers are given prominence in the church is on the stage in the worship team. That there are literally churches around town that entrust the leading of worship into the heavenlies to unbelievers. Now, I was first introduced to this concept way back in the day when I was in California working. My, my office buddy, I shared an office with him. Uh, he was sharing with me what he did on the weekends. And he actually went around leading worship at four or five different churches. And he was as unsaved as you could possibly think. But he was talented. And they wanted talent on the stage. And because they wanted talent on the stage, they would pay for it. 
And, you know, if that ever got, you know, if, if it ever got to the place where we didn't have any worship leaders here and the only option were unbelievers and Ed, I'm choosing Ed. You probably won't like it, but at least a believer is going to lead you in worship. We, we, I would rather have, uh, you know, we, the philosophy is simply this. Um, if we don't have people to fill ministries, we don't have ministries. Because the emphasis in church is very simple. Just teach the Bible, love people, and we don't need any other ministries. We don't even need the children's ministry. It's as valuable as it is because, you know, next time you guys go down to thank your kids or to pick up your kids, you should thank them too because they're pretty cool. But if you thank the Sunday school, you should thank the Sunday school teachers because the children's ministry, taking the gospel and getting it down on their level, provides an environment like this so that we could study the Bible uh, without distraction or very little distraction. Because when we have the kiddos up here, like on those big family services, well, you know how it is. Kids are kids. And they're just going to be kids. You know, I could probably keep their attention for about 10 seconds. And then they're done. And, and so children's ministry is very valuable. But even if we didn't have Sunday school teachers, uh, we would just have the kids in here and we'd just pray that the Lord would keep their attention. But we're definitely not going to put unbelievers down there teaching your kids the Bible, I'll tell you that. Or anybody with your kids that we don't know, that we haven't run a background check on, and that we don't, haven't seen serve and be around and know their families. We're not going to do that. We don't need any of these ministries, but we're grateful to have them. And wherever there's a need, we'll always look from within, and they must be saved. It seems like a no-brainer, but unfortunately, because of the trend and the movement in the church at large today, a lot of unbelievers are getting prominence. So God uses men and women that are saved. And in a moment, Pastor Ed Taylor will underscore the second point, and that is God uses the flexible. He'll explain it in just a moment here on Abounding Grace. We're going through 2 Kings right now. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit calvaryaurora.org. Or you can listen through our app, and that can be found searching for Calvary Aurora. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time and production costs. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. As the title of the book would suggest, God's grace really does change everything in our lives. It's how we're birthed into the family of God and how we grow, too. It makes all the difference as you travel through the ups and downs of life. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Let's get back into the message now. Again, we're talking about the sort of people that God uses. God uses the person that's flexible. God uses the person that is saved, number one, and number two is flexible. And sometimes God does a work in the church that's glorious and wonderful. It's a, it's a, a work of increase. But also God does a work of blessed subtractions from time to time. And we need to be open to the subtractions of God as much as the additions of God, as much as the multiplications of God. It's His church. And he will do what he wants to do in his church. And we need to be just as excited about subtractions as we are multiplications. If it's his church, then we just need to trust that he's going to move his people around. And, you know, we're, we're not 
I'm not entirely interested in having a church filled with people from other churches. I want to see people here that are your friends and your neighbors and your family that aren't saved and get saved here and get discipled here and grow. Now, I'm not opposed to whatever God wants to do in bringing people, but it doesn't make me so excited that our church gets filled with people from other churches. I want to see the, I want to see the lost saved. I know you do too. And, and so we aren't, we aren't in any competition with churches in town. Uh, if another church in town is growing 10 times faster than us, we only should have one response. That's awesome. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that churches are growing. I wish all the churches in town would grow. I, I wish we would have overflow services and multiple buildings and all kinds of things happening in the city. I, I wish on the, on the way into church on Sunday, there were 100 times more cars on the road. I wish there was more people out not watering their lawn or mowing their lawn, but getting ready for church, man, and heading out and worshiping. And I I love that. But we have to be flexible. Sometimes God's going to increase, we rejoice. Sometimes God's going to decrease, we rejoice. We'll share the rest of this message from Ed Taylor, God Uses the Usable, on Monday. That's right here on Abounding Grace. In the meantime, make yourself available to God and watch what He will do. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.